Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles and go with me to Acts chapter number 14. Today, I want to give you kind of a bird's eye view of this chapter. But I'm only going to do that in four little verses that we're going to read in Acts chapter number 14. You say, how are you going to do that, Pastor? Well, you're going to have to hold on and watch how it happens. This is the story of us, Acts chapter 14, and really the whole Bible, if you will. But in the book of Acts, we can find out more than just the birth of the church. This is not just a history lesson. These are life lessons. Because it starts out in the book of Acts saying that this, there was a former account of what Jesus began both to do and to teach. And Acts is the continuation of that story, and it continues on into the church of Almighty God here and now, today in our lives. Because Jesus is still doing something on the earth today. Can anybody say amen to that? And Jesus is continuing to teach us every time we gather together and open his word. So this is the story of us. I want to look at Acts chapter 14, verse number 19 and verse number 20. Acts chapter 14, starting in verse number 19, says, Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. Now you might be wondering, where is the there that we're talking about? Last time we were together, we talked about how he went to Lystra, right? And he was preaching the gospel. A guy had faith to be healed. He said, stand up on your feet. The guy didn't just stand up. He leapt up. He walked around. And my goodness, it was a miracle. It was amazing. But the people got the wrong idea and they said, oh wow, this guy Paul, he must be Hermes. He's the chief speaker of all the gods. And, and that one behind him, Barnabas, he must be Zeus. They've disguised themselves and they've come among us and they bring out bulls and laurels and they're getting ready to sacrifice to them. And Paul and Barnabas have to run in and say, guys, you're getting the wrong impression. We're men like you. We've got a nature like you. Give glory to God. God's the one that feeds us in season. God's the one that gives us any good. You don't need to be looking at us. Look to God. And they could scarcely restrain them with these sayings. So it says, and Jews from Antioch and Iconium, the places that were so angry that they were preaching the gospel that they ran them out of the city, they came there to that place where people were getting ready to sacrifice to them. And look at what it says. It says, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. They threw rocks at him, supposing that they were going to eventually kill him. I don't even know people are fickle. I mean, in the same day, the people are ready to sacrifice to them, and then they're ready to stone him. People can be persuaded so easily. The same people that were shouting at Jesus when he came into Jerusalem, Hosanna, Hosanna, not even a week later were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And they're persuaded. And so here they are and they're getting ready to stone Paul. And look at what happens as we continue the verse. It says, and they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now some Bible scholars and some historians think that he actually did die as they dragged him out of the city. Others think that he still had life in him, but he was just without strength, and so they dragged him out of the city thinking that he was dead. Doesn't matter. Verse number 20 says this. However, when the disciples gathered around him, I need everybody in the building to do something. I need you to take a deep breath in, and I want you to shout at me so loud and so hard that it actually pushes me back on the stage. I need you to shout at me, say, gathered. Oh, man, that was good. That was good online. Come on, I need you to do the same thing. I need you to shout at your screen right now so much so that the spit hits the screen right now. I need you to shout and say, gathered. The disciples gathered around him. And look at what happens. He rose up and went into the city. You remember the city, the same city where they just stoned him? Same city that they were just running him out and dragging him out? 
he went into the city. This man was bold. This man was courageous. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. I see something in these verses that is a principle that we as the church need to understand. It's a principle that if we will get a hold of, it can literally change the world that we live in. How many of you know our world needs change? It can literally take situations and circumstances that you're facing and it can turn them around when you start to get a hold of the principle that we have today. It can take a marriage that's lost and hurting and broken and it can bring it back together in unity and agreement. It can take kids that are headed south and turn them facing north. It can take an addiction and an affliction in your life and it can break the power off of you. This principle will help you in every area of your life. If you will get a hold of what's going on from just these two little verses. What is the principle? The principle is that, and it's the same as the title of today's message, and that is authority and agreement. Authority and agreement. Many times we know that we have authority in Christ Jesus, and we know that there's power in unity when we get together. See, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to fly. When one lies down by themselves, they might be cold, but when two get together, they will be warm. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. See, we understand that we have authority in Christ, but also we know that there's power in agreement. How can two even walk in a straight line unless they are agreed? We can travel, we can go farther, we can do more when there's agreement. But when you bring authority and when you bring agreement together, there might be somebody who's lifeless, somebody who's without strength, somebody who's down. And if the church, the ecclesia, the gathered, assembled saints of God will gather in their authority and agree on something, it will change the world. It will lift up the lost. It will lift up the hurting. It will raise up the broken and they'll be able to continue on. You want to know why there's problems on the earth? I believe personally that part of the reason why there is problems is because the church is in disagreement over the direction of the way things should go. Therefore, because we're in disagreement, we lose the power of the authority that we have as the church because we can't agree. Therefore, we can't move the ball forward. We're fighting against each other rather than fighting against the enemy. And he's laughing all the way. And therefore, if we as the church can understand our authority in Jesus Christ, that we are the ruling, reigning monarchy under Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the representatives of God. We are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ on the earth. But not only just know about our authority, walk in that authority in unity, in agreement with other believers, we will take this city, we will take the Inland Empire, we will take this state, we will take this nation, and we will take this world for Jesus Christ. Pastor sounds mad today. It's all good. It's all good. It's because I love you. I'm just passionate. Today I want to teach you how we use authority and agreement. Because like I said, if you can get authority, not just authority, but also get agreement, it can change a marriage. It can change a child. It can change a life. It can change your business. It can change your future. It can change your destiny. It can change your health. These things that we see, these principles that we're about ready to lay out from the word of God, if you have the authority and you can get an agreement, there's nothing that won't be impossible for you. My goodness, let's take a look at it. How we use authority and agreement. Here's the first way that we use it is for transformation. How we use authority and agreement. The number one thing is for transformation. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. You're there in Acts. Come on, go backwards towards John. Then you'll find Luke, then Mark. 
And then you'll find the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 18. And in Matthew chapter number 18, the context of the verses that we're going to be taking a look at is church authority, church discipline. If your brother's kind of fault, go to your brother. Tell it to him, just you and them. If they will not hear you, take someone else, get in agreement with somebody and go and confront that situation. If they will still not hear you, take it to the church authority and agreement and come together and if they still will not hear you then the church will discipline them right and they'll be put out of the church why for the destruction of the flesh they'll be handed over to satan they may learn not to blaspheme and they will come back to the things of god because it's the goodness of god that leads men to repentance but sometimes we got to go out there in the school of hard knocks and learn some things And so the authority and the agreement we find in Matthew chapter 18. Now, in that context of what we're talking about, Jesus himself says these words in Matthew chapter 18. Take a look with me at verse number 18. And I want you to notice that these are the words of Christ, maybe in your Bible, in red. Look at what it says in Matthew 18, verse number 18. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus is saying this to us today. This is God in the flesh. This is our high priest. This is the head of the church. This is the great shepherd of the sheep. God is speaking to us, and he says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice what he says. He says, when you do something on the earth, heaven agrees with it. If you bind something on earth, I bind that foul spirit away from my house in the name of Jesus. It's bound up in heaven. God comes in agreement with you. And whatever you loose on earth, I release my faith in the name of Jesus. I release health in the name of Jesus. I release the goodness of God in this situation in the name of Jesus. See, whatever you loose on earth, when you release something on the earth, it is released and unlocked in heaven. Now, how many of you know that heaven is the reality? See, we put so much stock in this temporary, corporeal, natural, physical matter, that which we can taste, touch, smell, see, and hear, and we think that this is what it's all about, and we put all of our eggs in this basket, but guess what? The basket's going to burn. All of it's going to burn. Everything that you see one day will be consumed when the trumpet sounds, the fire of God will hit everything, and all of the elements will be destroyed, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth where we dwell with him forever. See, that's where we put our eggs is in that basket. That's where our treasure should lie is in eternity. That's what we should be building towards. And so that shows me that this natural reality that we live in is not the true reality. See, there was a tabernacle made on the earth, but it said that's not the true tabernacle. The true tabernacle is not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Therefore, what you agree upon on earth is agreed upon in reality, in authority, in heaven itself, in eternity. And therefore, that's what really matters. And then Jesus goes on in the next verse. It's not done yet. Look at what he says in verse number 19. He says, again, I say to you. In other words, if that wasn't enough, let me reiterate this point so that you really understand what's going on. Again, I say to you that if two of you, oh, wow. What's that word right there? Oh, come on, help me out here. You all shouted at me just a second ago, pushed me back with your breath. And now you wanted three people to say, agree. Come on, what's that word right there? Say it again, just just so that I get it. Oh, come on online. Type it in the comment section in all caps. What's that word right there? Agree. When two of you agree, where? On earth, here, in this natural, physical realm that we live in. He says, when two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask. 
it will be done for them by my Father. Where is my Father at? Look, take a look. Where is he? In heaven. See, what we do here in the physical and the natural has spiritual implications and results. And when you walk in your authority, when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, when you go forth, see, in the name, well, you got to understand, in the name means something. In the name. See, when somebody has the power of attorney, I can sign in their stead. I can sign in their name. And therefore, it will be done. When somebody is a servant of a king or an ambassador from a nation, they come in the name of that king or in the name of that nation. What does that mean? That means what they say represents what the nation says or the the leader, the king says. And, And if what they say doesn't get done, then they have the authority. They know that the king can then send an army. The king has resource. The king has power, has dominion. That is the domain that the king looks over and oversees. Therefore, when we are in the kingdom of God, walking in our authority... If we will ask anything of God that we agree on, guess what? It's agreed upon in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. Whatever you ask on earth will be done by who? By the Father. Did you know you can move the hand of God? How do you do that? By agreeing in prayer. Next verse, let's take a look at it in verse number 20. Look at what Jesus goes on to say. For where two or three are gathered... In my name. Notice he didn't say we're two or three log in online. Hey, I love you online. That's not, a, that's not a quip. That's not just a little jab at you. But that's not church. Any more than the building that we're sitting in right now is church. But wherever, he didn't say it has to be thousands. Everybody's all lamenting over the size of the church, this and that. I, hey, listen, two or three. Come on. Come on, wherever two or three are gathered. That means there has to be a physical gathering. There has to be an assembling. This is why I'm so passionate about this, you guys. This is why we're not closing our doors again. Because the church has to gather in order to qualify for what the word of God has to say. It can't be substituted. You can't zoom into it. You cannot log in online and do it. It has to be a physical, tangible thing. Because what we do on earth matters in heaven. And unless we gather, we will not get. For where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, in my power, in my authority, I am there in the midst of them. That means that Jesus showed up to church today when two of us walked into the building. And that means that online, if there's two or more of you sitting around that screen right now, guess what? Jesus is sitting there right there with you. Why? Because the church gathered. Something happens when the church gathers. You know, uh, the word for agreement in the Greek is where we get our same word in the English, symphony. Literally means to sound together. Symphony is a compound word of sounding together. You know, I used to play in wind ensembles and that sort of a thing, played music, and there would be all types of different instruments, brass instruments, uh, you know, the woodwinds, and then you had the percussion section, you had the strings and all that kind of stuff, and they were all different, all had different sounds, all had different ways of playing, and when they were tuning up, it was a mess, it was chaos, right? My wife hates it when she listens to the band warming up and that sort of thing, and they're tuning up their instruments and all that, and someone over is doing their own thing, and everybody's doing, it's chaos, 
But something happens when they get into unity. Something happens when they sound together. When the conductor raises his hand and they all get quiet and then the hand starts to move and the music is followed. When they sound together, it produces a sound in unity. It produces a sound that can literally move the heart and bring tears to the eyes. That can overwhelm the senses, that can delight, that can make you laugh and smile and sing. Did you know that when the church gathers together and when the church gets in unity in the authority of Jesus Christ and we agree on anything on the earth, guess what happens? There is a sound that goes out of us and that sound comes out of us together and it reaches the heart of God and that reaching of the heart of God will start to move the hand of God. Guys, we need God to move on the earth. If ever before, if ever we needed God, right now we need God. We need God to move in our nation. We need God to move in our land. We need God to move in the health system. We need God to move in our presidency. We need God to move in our governor. We need God to move in San Bernardino County. We need God to move in your family. We need God to move in your community. We need God to move in the education system right now. We need God to be moving in the hearts of the lost man and the lost woman and the lost child. We need God to be moving on the drug acts, the pimps and the whores, the prostitutes. We need God moving on the internet. We need God moving in our society. We need God in the Democrats, God in the Republicans, God in the pedestrians. We need God. We need God. Something else happens when we gather together in his name. When Jesus shows up, When Jesus shows up, it creates an atmosphere that the devil can't handle. Why? Because Jesus already whipped the devil. And after he whipped him, he stripped him. He stripped him of all of his power. Stripped him of all of his authority. Stripped him of all of his weapons. The Bible says he made a public display of him, triumphing over him in it. He paraded him around and showed powers and principalities that he's defeated. See, on our own, if we isolate ourselves, if we insulate ourselves from other believers, if we huddle and hide and hide behind a screen online, listen, I'm not trying to knock you. I'm trying to provoke you towards love and good deeds. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some. Some people get into a habit of not coming and gathering in church. The pandemic was an excuse to be a coward and to hide. But guess what? If you're afraid of a virus, if you're afraid of the devil, if you're afraid of society, if you're afraid of going out, there's a line in the streets. I can't go out there. Guess what? When we gather, when we get together and Jesus shows up, no virus, no devil, no lion, no pestilence, no stalking darkness, nothing can take you out because you've got Jesus and the devil can't handle Jesus. I've heard of so many people so many people. Kathy's up here standing at her feet, shouting me down, waving the hanky at me right now. Kathy, did you pray by yourself when you were battling cancer? Was it just Kathy against the world? Was it Kathy against cancer? No, you had believers that surrounded you when you had no strength, when you were down, and when the devil dragged you out of the city, and they surrounded you, and they loved you, and they prayed for you. BC, when you were sick, 
when when you had so much pain in your body and you were crying out to God, BC, were you by yourself? No, you had the believers surround you and pray for you and lift you up. Remember a time we were getting ready to graduate Bible college. We just finished our last classes. We had a day, and then the next day we were going to go, and we were going to, uh, to graduate Tulsa Event Center. And the day before we were staying, uh, we had uh, a, a duplex. Our, our friends, family had a duplex. Pastor Luke, Pastor Joey, who you saw up here singing, Keep Hope Alive. Love that song, by the way. My goodness. Pastor Joe and them had, a, had rented a duplex, and so they had a backyard, and they put a trampoline out there. A couple of us students and some of the co-workers that we've been working with gathered, and we all sat on the trampoline. We are all talking together, talking about life and how things were going to change and what was the future going to be like and what happened in the past. And some of our ungodly co-workers shared with us, man, no one has impacted my life like you guys have. As we're sharing stories and just fellowshipping before we're going to get ready to graduate and then we're going to leave at 5 a.m. the morning after, all of a sudden the sky turned green. Now, you Californians don't know what that means because you're like, the sky is blue, Pastor. The sky can be gray when it's overcast, but I've never seen a sky turn green. In the Midwest, when the sky turns green, that means there is a tornado coming. And so the sirens start going off in the distance. And us Californians are like. It's scary. I can handle fires. I can handle mudslides. Give me a good earthquake in the middle of the night. But don't you do none of that. I'm, I'm gone, right? I'm out. That, they have a season called that. We don't have no season called earthquake season, right? They got tornado season. What on earth are you doing living here? I can't handle it. And so we go racing inside the house. We turn on the television and we look at it. And the newscaster, right, is up there. And he's like, oh, here's the path that the tornado's headed down. And if we project where it's going to go, it's going to hit Tulsa. And it's going to go to 71st and Mingo. Now, Pastor Luke and Pastor Joe had rented a duplex on the corner of 71st and Mingo. So what do we do? We said, well, we got two options. We can either gather everybody into the bathtubs, put a mattress over our head, and hope that we don't die, right? And my beautiful wife said, I am not going in their bathtubs. They do not clean. They are dirty boys, and I ain't doing none of that. So what did we do? We decided to be the church. We decided to take our authority in Jesus' name, and we gathered together, and we got an agreement, and we prayed. We circled up around. Even the ungodly people were like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing, right? And so they got together, and we started to pray, and we prayed down heaven on that situation. We said, God, in the name of Jesus, this tornado has to stop. It will not do any damage to anybody's house, not this house, not our neighbor's house, not anybody's house. In fact, God, we want you to turn that tornado. May it just dissipate. May it go away. May it not hit any of the city. As we're praying, my wife's over here on the front row shaking her head, yes. Okay, she will testify. Pastor Joe, you can ask him about this later. All right? As we're praying, we hear the newscaster say, oh, well, look at that. Looks like the tornado hit the river and it's going down outside and around the city. It's not going to hit anybody. You guys are safe. Wow. All because people got together in authority 
and in agreement. Second thing is this, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we need to talk about this today, how to use authority and agreement. Number one is transformation. Number two is restoration. Second thing, how we use authority and agreement is restoration. Galatians chapter number six. If you'll turn there with me, if you find Ephesians, come back one chapter to Galatians. After the book of Acts, you'll find Romans, first and second Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter number six. We're going to be verse number one and verse number two. Talking about restoration. It says in Galatians chapter number six, verse number one, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. How many of you know that the Bible tells us that we all stumble in many things? There's going to be times that we're down, times that we're out, times that we stumble, and times that we flat out just disobey and rebel. And the Bible says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. The church should not be beating up its own. It should be surrounding its own and lifting them up when they have no strength and when they have no power. If someone has fallen into a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Notice it's not the novice. This is not a ministry for everybody. If you're brand new to the faith, you should not be going around Bible bashing people, telling them this is how you ought to live, right? In a spirit of gentleness, you who are spiritual, come to them tenderly. Hey, you are caught in a fault. Let me help you out with this. That's why Jesus said, go to your brother one-on-one and let them know their fault. You don't want to embarrass them. You're not there to shame them, right? And look at what it goes on to say, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. We all know that we can stumble into anything. That's why the Bible says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's the San Bernardino translation of some of the verses in there. Y'all didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Verse number two, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? It's the law of love. Jesus says, as I have loved you, you ought to love one another. What did he do when we were sinful? When we were down? When we were in a pit that we couldn't get ourselves out? Jesus Christ, in his righteousness, in his humility, humbled himself to the death of the cross. And he took care of our sin. And he bore the weight of our burden, our guilt, our punishment upon himself. That's what the Bible is saying. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Just recently, my mom uh, moved all of her, her house into a storage unit. And so uh, I gathered up a couple of guys to help me move her. That's a picture of me moving some boxes right there. And uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we were moving her, and, and there were certain things that we could handle on our own. Boxes, you know, different furniture items, you know, little side tables and stuff like that. Chairs we were able to take out by ourselves. But other things were too heavy for us on our own like the couch, right? Here I am on one side of the couch, my friend's on the other side of the couch. One, two, three, oh, don't lift with your back, lift your legs, man, come on, you know, and we're flipping it over, having to carefully plan how we're going to get out the door and all that kind of stuff, flipping that thing over kind of sideways and just sandwiching it through right there, you know, and making sure that we got it out without a scratch on it. And then there were other items that it took all four of us, big men, strong men, strong like bull, right? Here we are, and and there's this massive entertainment center, and so we're saying, you two on that side, us two on this side, we're going to tilt it over at you. You grab that and lift it up. As you lift, we're going to lift, and then we're going to carefully walk our way out and down to the truck. When we got to the truck, we lifted it up, and each one of us got on a corner of that thing, and we all had to lift together and put it up on the back of the truck. 
See, in the same way in our lives, there's going to be things that we can handle on our own, things that we can take to God. I believe all of us are able to go to God to confess our sin, to repent, and allow the cleansing power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ to get that sin out of our lives. But there's going to be times when you have things that you can't deal with on your own, things you need somebody to come and help you and grab the other side of, somebody to come and help you lift that burden and lift that weight and get it out of your life. And then there are times and moments where we don't just need one other person, our accountability partner. You're going to need people to surround you. You're going to need people to come with you. You're going to need a community of believers who's believing together on your behalf, who can grab a hold of a side of that thing together and can lift it up and lift it out. Maybe that's a spiritual guidance appointment here at the church. Maybe that's going to the prayer tent right after service today. Maybe that's signing up for breaking free in the new year when the class comes around again and you get a mentor and you get a group of people that are believing God with you on your behalf. But guys, it's time to deal with the sin issues. It's time to move things that need to be moved. It's time to get free and get clean and live holy and blameless and undefiled before our God. And you need the church to help you get restored. Don't try and do it alone. Last thing for us today is this. Not only transformation, not only restoration, but we often try and save the best one for last. So today, I saved the best one for last. Are you guys ready for this? Oh, come on. That was like four of you guys. Are you guys ready for this? All right. Y'all ready online? Here we go. Last one is this. is tribulation. Pastor, I got a question. I really like transformation. That one was good. You came out of the gate, man. That was awesome. Restoration is cool, too, because we stumble. We need that. Pastor, here's my question. How is tribulation the best one? Here's how. Because we know what the Word of God says. Turn back with me to Acts chapter number 14. Remember I told you I was going to give you a bird's eye view of Acts chapter number 14. Here the Apostle Paul is on his first missionary journey. He hits the churches of Galatia, right? He plants the churches of Galatia. He travels up in a circuit. He goes from one town, gets persecuted, to another town, gets persecuted, to another town. They want to sacrifice to him, but then it turns into persecution. They stone him, they drag him out of the city, and he gets left for dead. Then he goes to another town and preaches the gospel. Take a look at what it says in Acts chapter 14. This time, verse number 21 and verse number 22. It says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city, what city? The city of Derby, where they went to, right? And made many disciples. I love that. People were getting saved. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Wait a second. Isn't Lystra, Iconium? And Antioch, the very place where they were kicked out of? Isn't that where persecution was coming against them? Why would they go back? Here's why, verse number 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. See, the disciples had surrounded Paul and raised him up. And now Paul was going and surrounding the disciples. And he was giving them the strength that they needed. What did they need it for? Look at what the rest of the verse says. Exhorting them to continue in the faith. 
Not just faith, but the faith. Anytime you see that word, the faith, like that together, it means the system of beliefs that you follow in your Christianity. Can I ask you a question? What comes with Christianity? Christians. He's saying, stay in church. Stay in faith. Stay in unity. Stay together. We need the church. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to build you. I'm going to surround you. Stay in. Stay together. Don't get divided. Stay in your authority and stay in unity. Look at the last saying that he gives them. He leaves them with this. And saying we must through many tribulations. There it is. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. When we know the scriptures, we know that the road, the pathway to heaven is marked with tribulations. That means when you see tribulations on the horizon, smile because you're headed in the right direction. You are headed for heaven. You're going up. You're not going down. See, that's why the best is for last is because in this world you will have trouble. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus already defeated death. He defeated the devil. He is your champion. He is the victor, not the victim. Jesus is the one who endured it all. And now as we take up our cross and follow him, the road is marked with suffering. But is the narrow road that we're on. We're on the right path. We're on the road to heaven. And it's through many tribulations. We will enter the kingdom of God. It is more important that I enter the kingdom of God than that I never suffer. And that's so counterintuitive to our flesh. Why? Because no one wants to hurt. No one wants to be betrayed. No one wants to have challenges and trials and tribulations. No one wants that, not even Pastor Dan. And yet, God says all those things are the road that you walk to get to heaven. Therefore, I will glory in the tribulation. I will smile when I see things on the road that are trying to stop me. When the devil shows up, I laugh and I hold him in derision like my God does. Why? Because I know the scriptures and I know that that road is the road that leads me to the way to heaven. Victor Hugo, who's famous for his novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, also wrote a story called 93. It tells of a ship caught in a dangerous storm on the high seas. At the height of the storm, the frightened sailors heard a terrible crashing noise below the deck. The noise came from a loose cannon that was moving back and forth with the swaying of the ship, crashing into the side of the boat with terrible impact. The sailors knew that if this cannon kept crashing into the side of the boat, it could compromise the integrity of the vessel, and it could actually sink them. And so two soldiers came up to the captain. And they volunteered to go down and to secure the cannon underneath the deck. Here's the principle, guys. Is that in our lives, we are headed through troubled times. 2020 has been a troubling year for many of us. Some of you guys, it might have been the best year of your life. Praise God for that. But all of us at one point or another are going to encounter trials, temptations, tribulations, challenges that come against our life. Jesus promised it. Therefore, we know that if you're not in it now that eventually you will be. But guess what? You can smile and you can know that when you have authority and when you have agreement, those things that rattle around on the inside of you, you know, sometimes the internal threats are greater than the external threats. Jesus walked on the waters in the middle of a storm. Listen, he's not concerned about the storm. God is God in or out or over the storm. It's not the storm that matters, but it's about our integrity. It's about our lives. 
This year has been a revealing year. There are many people who their internal struggle has taken them out. They've gotten off of God. They've gotten out of the church. They've become a castaway and it becomes shipwreck. Why? Because they had loose things on the inside of them. But church, when we gather together, when we get in unity, when we get in agreement in the authority that Jesus Christ gives us, we can secure those things in our life that would try and break us apart and we can weather every storm that comes our way. Can I call out some people online? Listen, I know I keep talking to you guys, but it's time. It's time for you to get out. It's time for you to get dressed, get out of your jammies. I know they're comfy. I know that you've ordered extra sweats and all that kind of stuff, and you're just feeling good in your fuzzy, comfy, uh, inebriated place. But it's time. It's time for you to get dressed, time for you to take a shower, time for you to brush your teeth, time for you to comb your hair. Listen, don't stay down and depressed and discouraged. I need you to get up. I need you to get up. I need you to get out. I need you to come to church. I need you to sit in a seat in the sanctuary. I need you to not just warm up a spot. I need you to spit and clap and and hoot and holler. I need you to get on board. I need you to be the church that God has called you to be. I'm in disagreement with that pastor. Then you might want to go and find another church. But this This church is going to push you. This church is going to love you. This church is going to surround you when you're down. And we're going to pray and we're going to lift you up. And we need each other. I need you and you need me. And we need, we, we need each other. And it's time for the church of God to be the church of God. Stand in your authority. Stand in the agreement that we have. It's time for us to take this city, take this valley, take this nation, and take this world for Jesus. But we need you. It's time. We're not playing games with the devil. Challenging times will not distract or detour the church. We're going somewhere, and we're going to go through the storm because there are safe harbors on the other side. Heaven's shores await the courageous, the bold, and the valiant not the timid and the cowardly, who allow that cannon to break them apart on the inside. No, it's time for us to gather together to secure those things. Use our authority and agreement for number one, transformation. Every mountain has to move. Every valley be brought high. Smooth ways before the feet of the Lord because we are the body of Christ. For restoration, there are those that need to be restored. Some of you guys online, That's why I'm bugging you so much today. You need restoration. I'm just surrounding you like Paul did because I love you so much and I can't bear the thought of heaven without you or even this church without you. And then finally, for tribulation, it's through many trials we must enter the kingdom of God. Come on, if you got something for the word of the Lord today, give God a great big praise. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.